you know, it depends on their needs. Like if, if, if grandma, if it's a family and grandma lives 150 miles away, then you should probably have an internal combustion car for, you know, the once a month that you want to go visit grandma. We introduce regular product giveaways happening here on the Jeep Talk Show every month and sometimes every week. The world's most downloaded Jeep podcast will be giving you, the listener, a chance to win serious gear from major companies that you know, love, and trust. You want a chance to win tires, suspension components, maybe more? Listen every week for your chance to win big. Jeep Talk Show, the official podcast, Toledo Jeep Fest. Toledo Jeep Fest coming up the weekend of August 12th. What a great Jeep event you don't want to miss. Go to ToledoJeepFest.com for more information. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. The Jeep Talk Show is the official Jeep podcast of Mr. Vanderquack. Keep listening for weekly updates about our Mr. Vanderquack and his mission to help the children at St. Jude. Go to MrVanderquack.com. That's MRVanderquack.com. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Chuck. I like making people laugh. That's It's good for my soul. Chuck. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think that's a huge deal. So sit back. Strap in and brace yourself. You know, Chris, we've been throwing in the superfluous uh, quacks whenever time we read the uh, the Mister Vanderquack uh, text. I wonder if uh, some people out there were going, "Oh, thank God they didn't do that again," or <laughs> or there was people going, "Come on, come on, quack, say it, quack." Exactly, exactly. <laughs> hey, Nexon, Nexon Tire USA, we got you. Found out more about the Nexon Tires that are on the 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, uh, and actually another set of five in my garage. <laughs> the Nexon Tire Rodian MTX at NexonTireUSA.com. I'm Chris, and my friends and family are shocked to find out what a poor electrician I am. <laughs> Well, you're still alive, so you got to be doing okay, at least in that regard. <laughs> you know, what is it? There's a guy on uh, TikTok that says, uh, uh, don't, uh, don't tell, <laughs> I don't know if he's used this one or not, but don't turn off the breaker before you uh, rewire uh, your house. Uh, be a man. Uh, <laughs> and get fried. <laughs> exactly. Find your mistake very early. <laughs> hey, I'm Tony, and uh, you know, I... I, I I don't know what I'm doing here. We're just going to be doing this interview. I've, I've already done the interview. Thanks to Chris. He's gotten us a bunch of interviews. So we're going to be uh, <laughs> having an interview with, uh, who is it? Bill uh, Bill Bear. I, you know, that's a name. I like that, that you can, uh, you've scheduled some people whose last name I can pronounce. Yeah, Bill Bear. I think the aspirin, though, for the pr- correct pr- pronunciation. I guess Bear, I, yeah. I, exactly. I probably would have said Bayer, you know, yeah. otherwise. <laughs> Well, Chris, uh, I, th- I found this, it's been a little while since I did this interview back in March. Uh, again, thanks to you for getting us all these guests. Uh, but uh, it was a, I fa- remember it being a very fascinating interview about a, the electrification of a Jeep Wrangler, a TJ. And uh, you recently found somebody online that's doing the same thing, didn't you? Yeah, Josh mentioned it just this past episode, 647, Veronica Wright uh, from Austria originally had a little, uh, uh, go back, if you haven't listened to episode 647, please do that, but uh, 
um, yeah, Veronica and now Bill, uh, and it's all around the TJ. I, mean, I don't know, maybe perhaps the TJ platform lends itself better to electrification than uh, than a, a different Jeep. But uh, yeah, very exciting stuff, very interesting as uh, electric vehicles are, are becoming more and more popular. And uh, apparently if you've got an old TJ and the frame is still uh, intact, you can make it uh, put a Tesla powertrain in it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Could you imagine having a rusty TJ? They're very common up in the, the Northeast and uh, I think even in the Northwest. And uh, could you imagine having... <laughs> <laughs> rusty old TJ that looked fine and then you put a high torque uh, electric motor in it you're going to find out about that rust really quick yeah you might you might tear it apart quickly and yeah the <laughs> TJs and where, where I'm at in the Midwest it's just it's sad they're just they're even a, a few years old they're just so far gone uh, where but they're worth it I mean uh, you see folks putting complete new frames underneath them um, I know you can I think you can buy that from Northridge 4x4 dot com even a, a complete tj frame mm-hmm. I, I don't doubt it and i don't think that's great when people do that i remember uh, i think it was ali up in uh, canada uh did that and he, he learned a lot of lessons along the way but i remember it was a a frame off restoration that uh, that he did and he's uh, he's driving that uh, you know i wonder you know that's kind of the downside about electric vehicles you have to change the batteries every five seven years maybe every 10 uh, i think it's closer to, to seven um, if you're driving a TJ in Canada, a eh, uh, you probably have to do the same thing with a frame. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, Canada, yeah, Midwest Rust Belt, absolutely. Well, you're not same. very, you're not very far from Canada, being there in Michigan, right, or Minnesota? Which one are you in? Uh, Michigan, yeah, Michigan. just uh, really, just less than ten miles, as the crow flies, as they say, uh, from the uh, uh, from Windsor, Ontario, uh, but, which is. Uh, that would be the Canadian goose, 10 miles uh, as the Canadian goose flies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very close to our uh, our friends to the north. So, you're going to be going to uh, the Toledo Jeep Fest. We mentioned that at the top of the show uh, that uh, about uh, that event being the official uh, podcast for the Toledo Jeep Fest, which we're very honored to be. Um, so, uh, and you're going to be going over there August 13th, I believe, right? Yeah, thirteenth for sure. Uh, perhaps the fourteenth. We'll see what uh, what the weekend brings. But the thirteenth is the big day, the the parade, uh, the show and shine, uh, the big vendor midway. Uh, but there's events all weekend, uh, beginning Friday evening, uh, Saturday evening. Uh, Jeremy Rowe, one of our previous interview guests, will be doing a free concert right downtown. So looking forward to that. Would like to uh, meet Jeremy to say hey. And then uh, there's uh, minor league baseball all weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then on uh, Sunday they have a uh, four by four walk run uh, if, if you're uh, ambitious to get up in the morning and go for a, a one mile walk or a four mile run right downtown Toledo so at, really anything and everything for all things cheap related you know that should be the just the backwards way it should be a four mile walk at a one mile run good lord mm-hmm. come on <laughs> yeah. four, four mile runs a little more than a 5k it's been a long time I've done a 5k or two in my day and uh, that's like 3.2 miles run and uh, that, that's enough for me. What's the what's the time frame? Uh, an acceptable time frame on that? I mean, I know it could be you know three days for some folks, but uh, how how what is a four mile run or a five k run? What's a five k run time? Thirty uh, ish minutes, I think, for your average. Well, that's not too bad. Somebody, somebody like me, so 30, 30 minutes to forty five minutes, uh, you're, you're doing okay. I mean the the real the real pros or or the real in fit shape people do them in about twenty minutes, but right. I, I, my best time is about 30 minutes, which isn't great, but I'm looking forward to going to the moon because it's a quarter of the gar- gravity and then just running, you know, having a nice run. Yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> See, that's what we need. We need some sort of gravitational belt or something so that we can actually, uh, you know, uh, my, my luck is it would fail and I would go into outer space. Um, <laughs> you turn on the gravity belt and now, you know, you're only 20% your body weight. Get out there and run. And, you know, it'd be a great training tool, too, because you could just dial it down. So it's 20%, you could make it or dial it up. You could, you know, go 50%, 75%. Pretty soon you're at 100. And then if you really want to stress yourself, maybe you could adjust it to 125, 150. Yeah, Lord, you could oh, yeah. get up to the Jovian uh, gravitational fields uh, by that way. Anyway, we just need some uh, wild-ass technology, and uh, everybody will be healthier. Of course, you'll be able to travel around uh, everywhere at warp speed, so why walk? Exactly. <laughs> From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Ideal boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview, and tonight we're going to be talking with Bill. You know, Bill is just a guy in his garage with a welder and a passion for making stuff. Bill's Jeep history started before he was born. I don't know how you managed that. I mean, just the Jeep part delivery alone would be horrible. Ten years, in fact, before he was born, when Bill's father drove his grandpa's 1964 CJ3B to their family farm when he was 16. The Jeep sat in the neighbor's barn until Bill himself turned 16 and got the idea to get it running. A few years later, while in tech college for automotive maintenance, Bill restored his great-grandpa's Jeep. In 2012, while deployed to Bagram Air Force Base in Afghanistan, Bill got turned on to the notion of pulling out the internal combustion engine and replacing it with an electric motor. It must have been the 130-degree heat, I'm thinking, Bill. Was that, was that what caused you to come up with that, that notion? It was so hot there. It was, it was, I actually got there in the winter, but by the time I left six months later, it was ridiculous. Oh, but it's a dry heat. Nine years uh, later, yeah. <laughs> nine years later, his early interest with Jeeps resur- resurfaced and joined his new interest of electric drive, and the Tesla Jeep was born. Have you been sued by Tesla for naming it the Tesla Jeep yet? That'd be awesome to get sued by Tesla. <laughs> Any great. Any advertisement, bad or good, is, is always good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this is really interesting. Now, uh, I, I, I guess, well, first off, if you guys would like to uh, follow along or see some of the stuff that uh, Bill has put up on YouTube, just go to YouTube.com and search for Bill Bear. And it, this is, makes it really simple. It's like the aspirin. And, and, and then, now, somebody else is going to sue you. Bill Bear, B-A-Y-E-R. Just do a search for Bill Bear. Uh, You'll see there's about uh, 582 subscribers, about 76 videos. Uh, Guy wearing a, 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 what is that? Beanie. Yeah, beanie. Wearing a beanie. Uh, Just don't change that picture now. So uh, just go over there and have a look at those videos. So, Bill, I got to ask you, this is going to be the first question. It's got to be the first question everybody asks you. How much? How many miles do you get out of a charge? Um, well, and that varies. I just finished this thing in January of this year, so I've only really had any winter testing. And winter is uh, particularly bad for EVs uh, because you run the heat, of course, right. and the conversion of electrons in the battery to electrons in the motor is not very good. Uh, so in the winter time, I'm seeing. A range of maybe 110, 120. I'm, I'd be thrilled if I could get 180 this summer. That's not too bad. 
Um, so is it a four-wheel drive? I mean, where did you, how did you do the motor? Is it that you still have a transfer case? Can you still put it in a four-wheel drive? No, there's, there's nothing left of the original Jeep drivetrain other than the axles. So, uh, in the, um, in the Tesla, in the car, you think of their motor orientation, like a front wheel drive car, or, you know, it's, it's a transverse mounted motor. And then it's got a half shaft coming out of the drive unit. But what I did was that is I just took it and made it longitudinal. So I've got uh, the left drive shaft is now going to the front. And the right drive shaft is going to the back. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I've had long had this idea. Now, it probably isn't practical based on the, uh, the, the energy density that we have with batteries or, or whatever it was. We wind up using super caps or whatever it is. Um, I had this idea that a perfect four-wheel drive vehicle would have individual motors at each wheel. And then the computer would uh, allow you to, you know, lock them together or uh, lock them all four of them together so you'd have a four-wheel drive. Do you, you, you think that may be practical at all? I think what you're talking about is hub motors. Is that what you're getting at? Probably. I mean, I, keep in mind, I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. No, that's fine. That's totally understandable. Yeah. And that's, that would be wonderful. I, I agree with you completely. There's a lot of engineering problems with hub motors. Um, you, I mean, just... The cooling is a situation you, you'd have to cool them somehow. Air cooling is difficult because you got a tire in the way and you got brakes there that are anti-cooling. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and then uh, there's a lot of talk about unsprung weight or sprung weight or whatever. That's not, that's hardly the issue. But, but the main issue is the tolerances within a motor, the distance between the rotor, the part that spins in the state or the part that stays. Uh, they're real tight. And the tighter you get them, the more power density you get from a motor but you know, imagine the stresses that go on in wheel bearings when you're going around a corner especially high speeds um you got gyroscopic force forces to fight and then you've also got the weight of the vehicle trying to break things and it, it just it's really difficult to maintain that tolerance without uh, metal to metal contact interesting so, so i guess uh, this is why jeep uh whenever they made their 4xe uh, they basically put something, if I understand this correctly, they put something basically where the torque converter goes or, or in, in there with the torque converter that is the electric engine. So it still uses all the same parts that the Jeep has. And they've just added a uh, electric motor to the drivetrain. Yeah, and that's that's what hybrids do. That's I mean, that is just what they do. They'll either, yeah, where the uh, torque converter was, they'll just put some sort of a, a pancake-style motor in there. Uh, the Chevy Volt has a couple different motors because it's um, a plug-in hybrid electric. Well, I guess that's what the Ford EX is also too. But um, but yeah, that's that's what the hybrids will do. Uh, Rivian has actually sort of taken uh, the way of, of individual motors at each wheel, but they put them inboard. Uh, so it's got one in one motor, one gearbox, half shaft, tire, and it's times four. Interesting. So, yeah, so they can do the torque vectoring. I guess you'd say they could do a tank turn uh, if they had the steering right. You know, kind of like a, a bobcat, you know, like a right. kid steer. Yeah. Um, their wheelbase is too long to actually pull it off, but still. And uh, yeah, so they've, they've sort of taken that, what you were thinking. Well, it's the thought that counts. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, the let me ask you this. We, we've actually had a, a, a pretty heated discussion on our roundtable maybe a couple of months ago about electric vehicles and the consensus of all of us that have nothing that, that we absolutely know nothing about what we're talking about. But that doesn't stop us from having opinions uh, that the uh, power density uh, is not there yet. And, and I don't even see it on the horizon. Uh, where we can actually get uh, batteries 
that are can hold enough energy to uh, uh, basically work better than a internal combustion engine. Yeah, uh, the energy density is what you're talking about in the batteries. Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a problem. Uh, I've got a 90 kilowatt hour battery bank in the Jeep, and uh, there's roughly 34 or 37, depending on who you ask, kilowatt hours in a gallon of gas. So I've got, what, two and a half gallons of, of gas equivalent energy, and that weighs 1,000 pounds. So, yeah. And that's the best we got right now. Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not good. However, uh, what you lack in energy density, you make up for in efficiency. Um, so my Jeep gets the equivalent of about 50 to 60 miles per gallon. That's pretty good for a Wrangler. So, inter <clears throat> excuse me, internal combustion is what, like 20, 25% uh, efficient? Yeah, 25, 30% in a lab. But as soon as you slow down to anything underneath of its uh, tested uh, RPM that it's most efficient at, anything you're less than that, then you're out. Anytime you touch the brakes, you just lost a, you know, a lot. If you're sitting in idle, you're 0% efficient. Right. So, yeah, internal combustion engines are really, really not efficient at all. The only reason we get away with it is because even at 420 a gallon, gas is cheap. You yeah. know, so... So, yeah. what kind of efficiency are you seeing uh, with uh, with your uh, CJ3B electric? Uh, this, mine's a 1997 TJ, um, actual TJ. Well, I didn't understand when I was reading this. I thought it was. Uh, I thought you had uh, found the '64 CJ3B and pulled it out and was made it into electric vehicle. Yeah, no, that was there was a uh, no, no, that was when I was a kid. That was my introduction to Jeeps. Um, oh. Yeah, that, that got a little bit. Well, no, that was my introduction. Well, Jeeps. well tell That's me slower Jeeps. then, because it wasn't here in the intro that I read. What what Jeep is this? You said a '97 TJ. Yeah, yep, it's a '97 TJ. Yep. Oh, okay, so uh, what what engine was in it? Was it the 4.0 or the the four cylinder? Two five, the uh, four cylinder. Oh, well, that was that was a smart move. Then you get that piece of crap out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, I don't need to tell anybody listening that the you know Jeep Wranglers aren't particularly fuel efficient. No. Um, and in the same stroke, they're not particularly electro electron efficient either. So where I'm getting hopefully 180 miles per charge, this the same battery pack in a full size Model S Tesla gets you know close to 400. So um, you know, it, but still, that's for me that's still the equivalent of about 50 or 60 miles a gallon. It's not a good, it's not an efficient uh, electric vehicle at all. But it is an efficient vehicle if compared to an internal combustion well bill if you have a jeep you're not buying it for fuel efficiency you're right you're, you're buying it because it's sexy i mean absolutely it's, it's cool it's That's like why you, i did it it's like you don't marry a stripper because she's a good cook you know come on <laughs> that's right yeah absolutely <laughs> uh just curious what color is the the, the tj it is a, a faded super faded green yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of that's kind of good. I'm gonna, like put a like, splash of paint on it and the wrap and all that stuff. Yet at the moment, it's just a sort of sleeper. Well, it's kind of good. It's a green vehicle. It's an electric green vehicle. <laughs> right. I mean, you you need to put on the hood a green New Deal on the you know on the side. <laughs> yeah, man. Anytime you bring up EVs, man, it gets political quick. I don't know. I don't understand it. It's well, certainly not my motivation. I think that most people understand just like what we started with. Uh, most people understand that it's electric vehicles aren't a bad idea, 
but it's being it's being shoved at us uh, from a political standpoint. Like yeah. yeah, and 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 it's not ready yet. It's like everybody wants this. I even want it. I mean, I, I love internal combustion. Love the sound of a V eight. But uh, like electric engines, motors are going to be where it's at because of the torque. Uh, the efficiency, all those things are wonderful. We just don't have. I always call it the 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 power density. Did you say? Did you say power or uh, it's energy? Yeah, you're talking energy when you talk uh, like battery storage. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, it's the energy density that we don't have. I mean, yeah. once we get that, whether it's at batteries or like I said, supercapacitors or some you know fusion micro fusion reactor, Mister Fusion, you know that, that type of thing. Now we'll be talking about stuff. I mean, if you get enough uh, uh, energy density, you can fly to the moon at 60 miles an hour. It'll take you a long time, but you can get there. Yeah, but, you know, it's, um, and that, that's true, but the vast majority of people, you know, you'll hear this over and over again, the vast majority of people don't drive more than about 30 or 40 miles a day. And at, at that rate, at that uh, distance, the energy density is more than enough right now the vast majority of people is this your first electric vehicle no this isn't uh no my first conversion i don't know if you know what a rocon is a little no. two-wheel drive motorcycle no i, I mean i know more now <laughs> okay yeah no rocon is this little two-wheel drive motorcycle company it's like a mom and pop shop it's the i think i probably got this wrong it's the longest um family-owned motorcycle company at all ever like they've you know they've outlasted harley harley was shut down for a little while there but the brocon's been going anyway they're just they're like think of a four-wheeler divided by two so the two-wheel drive motorcycle that was my first conversion i got one of those when i was in alaska and converted it but um and then after that i did a ford ranger 1994 two-wheel drive ford ranger and i drove that for several years like seven and then uh well good that's then, that's what i wanted to ask you because to me uh, I and I'm sure this is just experience because I can look at the gas gauge and I can go, okay, I know that you know I've got I can go this much further or I can set the odometer and I, even if the gas gauge isn't working, I feel comfortable that I'm going to make it from point A to point B without running out of fuel. The thing that scares me is it's it's like your cell phone, you know, it tells you you got 10% or your laptop, it tells you it's got you got 10% left and it gives you an estimate that you've got you know 30 more minutes of battery life and then it dies. <laughs> That's my fear for an electric vehicle. It, it tells me I got thirty minutes left, and I don't. <laughs> so, yeah, you well, actually I mean, no, driving you actually driving an EV. Uh, did, did was that a concern of yours at first, or is it still a concern? Yeah, of course, it was a concern. It's it's always a concern for anyone who hasn't done it, and it takes about a week of actual ownership and driving it um, and using the, the thing to realize that it's not a concern uh, because you know if you've got a 400 or 700 mile range in your car and you know that you can just stop by the gas station right before you go home to go eat dinner or whatever you don't really care right how many miles you've driven um but you're you're a lot more in tune with it when you've got an electric vehicle and you know you know that if you know how far your car can go and you know how far work is whenever i ask somebody you know how far is point a they'll be like well it's about you know 30 minutes i'm like well how many miles is that that's what we don't really talk in terms of miles when we talk about how far away something is when you drive an internal combustion. Um, but you do that when you drive an electric car and you know that if your house is a round trip of 40 miles and your car has a range of 70, say like an early leaf or something like that, then when you get home, you've only got 30 miles to go. Well, you can't go back to work. 
if you forgot your wallet at work, well, you're just going to have to leave it there till tomorrow. So, and it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's like, it's not the, the loss of, I guess you'd say freedom to go to back to work anytime you want to. You don't miss it. It's not a big deal, you know, and that's what it takes about a week of ownership to figure that out. So do you think that people could, like a, a family uh, that had more than one vehicle, do you think a family could survive with two electric vehicles or would one of them have to be an internal combustion? You know, it depends on their needs. Like if, if, if grandma, if it's a family and grandma lives 150 miles away, then you should probably have an internal combustion car for, you know, the once a month that you want to go visit grandma a week or whatever. Uh, you should probably have an internal car. Personally, I don't know a single person with only one car. You know, like everybody has more than one car. Right. Um, I mean, I just can't just, see having more than one electric vehicle. I mean, I like the idea of the electric vehicle, and of course, they're a lot better now than they were just five, ten years ago. But I, I just I don't see them replacing uh, internal combustion vehicles. Uh, like you say, it, it just just depends. But you never know when you may need to drive. Uh, for uh, uh, longer than uh, further than what the uh, the EV will do, and I guess too, if the uh, charging stations were as plentiful as gasoline stations, it would be less of an issue. Yeah, and you know, it, it's just my wife and I that live in our house, and she drives a little electric smart car, a little factory electric smart car, and then now I've got the Jeep back, I've got the Jeep going, so I've got that. So we do have, we are a two EV family, but we've also got a Tacoma, you know, so. You know, she's down in Alabama right now, or Mississippi right now. But so, I mean, you, you know, if you need to go far, you drive the gas car. But throughout, for the vast majority of time, that truck just sits there and gets rusty rotors. You know, the discs just get rusty. Yeah. And uh, we don't drive it hardly at all because you just, you just don't drive that far that often. But it is, like you say, it's very nice to have it there when you do need it. So, yeah, well, they're interesting. I, I mean, I, I know I'm taking us down a path, just a, t- a path of uh, EV and what's it like, and so on and so forth. And it doesn't really have anything to do with the the Jeep. But well, no, it's an important conversation because uh, in in most people's minds, it's an all or nothing thing. Like if you, you know, I, I was talking to somebody about I've got an electric. I converted into my lawnmower, my little riding lawnmower. I converted into electric, and I talked to him about that. And at least he says, well, if you can't put it uh you know convert a 400 horsepower john deere tractor to plow a field for eight to 12 hours straight then evs just aren't good you know and it goes from can i cut my grass for an hour to plowing a giant field with a humongous tractor for 12 hours straight there's there's stuff in the middle that gets missed and it's the same way with cars if i can't just go to california at whim then it's just not good yes it's perfectly okay to go to the store if you want to go to California, rent a car, borrow a car, or have an extra, have another car. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things between extremes. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure, sure. And that's the way life is. But, but sure. we often we often get our minds set on the extremes. Well, it can't do this, so I'm not interested in it. Or it's, it's you know, the devil's work. It, it just shouldn't yeah. exist, that type of thing. So. And the, the, the thing is, like, uh, bulldozers, D11 cat bulldozers, those are not going to be electric anytime soon at all. And okay, that's fine. The grocery getter should be the electric, the, you know, the lawnmower should be because you're, then you can save this precious resource of fuel for the things that need it. And you can not use it for the things that don't. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my view on it. Well, you need that bulldozer to dig up the lithium to make the batteries. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah, the big, huge lithium <laughs> mine. You see pictures on Facebook all the time. An iron mine or copper mine. But yeah, I get your point. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's see. Well, oh, yeah. Is there any legalities involved in driving uh, electric TJ on the road? Was there anything, any hoops that you had to jump through? Or is, is it don't, don't ask, don't tell? <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say that very thing. Um, <laughs> Tennessee doesn't do any kind of inspection. We don't do any sort of road inspections or anything like that. Um, you know, and don't ask, don't tell. But it's also where I live is a very small town. And anybody knows me knows what I drive. And, you know, it, it's uh, the, our little smart car is an actual electric registered car. And we pay an extra hundred bucks a year for registration. So there's that. Um but yeah, there's there's as far where I live, there's no issue with with driving it on the road. But there are other towns that do you know inspections, and I don't know how they're handling it. I know other countries are are dealing with that because they do real rigorous uh, inspections, like England in particular, and they're dealing with changing their rules to right. uh, you know to somehow put not available on the smog test in the computer system. You know what I mean? It's just not available like that. You just can't do that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it'll be the, a, it'll be a you know an individual thing, but for the most part, I've never heard of anybody stateside having the trouble with it. Yeah, no, I was just curious if there was something that you had to go uh, turn yourself in or something. Say, hey, this is no longer you know what you think it is. Uh, and then the, my next question was going to be if there was some sort of a thing you had to do, do you have to make it make noise because you know you're cruising around in something that is probably pretty quiet, especially compared to uh, you know normal Jeep uh, rumbling. Um. Yeah, that's that's true. And I think all these noisemakers on on these electric vehicles uh, is a good solution to a problem that doesn't exist. <laughs> like, uh, I know, agree. I'd love to see the statistics for the number of, of deaf people in America that got run over by an electric car. Like, it's just never happened ever right. anywhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, well, it's that all, all or nothing mentality, isn't it? It's like, right. this is scary because it's different. And if you can't hear it coming, it may, it may run over me or it may run over my child or my dog or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, people are more Cadillac likely to get run over by this. looking at their phone while they're not paying attention. <laughs> sure. I mean, didn't, didn't, I don't know which car it was, Cadillac or Infinity or something. They had this thing where the hood was propped up and they had some wine glasses sitting on their engine demonstrating how vibration free their engine is mm -hmm. well it's also quiet like you can't hear a modern car running like they don't make noise if it's got a big exhaust fine you know it's ls conversion it's noisy but a you know a factory stock car is really quiet especially at low speed yeah yeah it's so. kind of nice uh i've uh, i've been driving a, a 98 cherokee for 23 24 years uh, my daily driver and back in may i uh, took delivery on a 2021 uh, gladiator I always call it the Jeep Talk Show Gladiator. The, the hosts keep asking when they're going to get to drive it, you know, since it's the show's Gladiator. Uh, but uh, that ain't happening. But anyway, uh, I, I was really surprised how quiet that 3.6 is. I mean, I, I'm sure it's not electric vehicle quiet or Cadillac quiet, but it's a lot quieter than that 4.0 I got in the XJ. Yeah. Well, this this Jeep is uh, a particularly noisy, uh, <laughs> noisy EV at the moment because I'm having some the gears, it's got custom gears in the drive unit. Um, and they're, uh, one of them wasn't machined particularly wonderfully. So it's got a little bit like the tolerances are too tight. So, uh, it kind of makes noise. So this one isn't sneaking up on anybody. 
especially you know at speed but yeah driving around in the parking lot it's pretty quiet except that i do have a lunchbox locker so that gives me away right there <laughs> um those things are i i'm not a fan of those things at all i really wish i wouldn't have done that but yeah. you know there it is yeah uh, I'm, i much prefer the selectables but uh i'm not uh, why, why are you doing a lunchbox locker in your since it's not a four-wheel drive uh well i wanted i wanted to have a, a rear locking different or a rear limited slip differential i wanted a front as well um but I needed to have really tall gears, so numerically low, like 307 is the lowest that I could get in it. I think it had three or 411s whenever I took it out, or 456, I don't know what they were. But I changed them to 307s, um, and you just can't get a, a torsen diff or a, you know, any kind of locking diff for those tall gears. Not that I found when I was looking. So, so that was the only way to get a locking diff was to go with a lunchbox. And at the time, I didn't know they made the noise that they do. Right. Oh, yeah, all that clicking and stuff. That's <laughs> it's terrible. Wonder- yeah, it's wonderful. It's so <laughs> I've, annoying. I've heard one once. It's like, hey, man, is that thing okay? Because it sounds like it's getting ready to come apart. Yeah, I always have to explain <laughs> to people what's going to happen when I pull out of the driveway. I like think of a ratchet, like a half-inch drive ratchet. Well, times 100. That's what is in the back of my truck. <laughs> son, you my should, Jeep, so. son, you should fix that noise. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you put I any gear oil more. in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think you I think you uh, uh, not directly said this, but I think you're using a Tesla battery pack as well. Is that correct? Yes, from a Model S from a ninety. So where did you get this stuff? Did you did you buy a broken one or uh, how did you get the parts? No, that's all on the internet. That's where we buy everything now, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's several. There's a there's actually a lot of there's a pretty good community of uh, EV parts suppliers. Um, they're mostly in California, but they're spread out through the nation. I mean, it's not as good as like Summit and Jags and all that stuff, but they're like little startups. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's where you get them. You know, if you, um, yeah, I got it online. Now, I read someplace, uh, I think it was in the, uh, the, the the meeting request, that you actually said to detune this thing uh, down to 250 horsepower. Did I read that correctly? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've got uh, 250 kilowatts, but it's roughly 250 horsepower. One uh, 746 kilowatts is one horsepower. It's a direct um, conversion, mm-hmm. but a thousand just makes it easier. So 250 kilowatts, I'm just calling that 250 horsepower so I don't break my axles. Yeah, that's the kind of the cool thing. I've seen some some EVs, uh, some fast EVs uh, that were you know custom made to, to go fast to, uh, with titanium uh, drive shafts and just twisted them all to hell. So <laughs> yeah. that that's something yeah. that that's that if you're not excited about electric motors and and using that in your drivetrain, you're you're wrong because there's going to be so much power available. Uh, I mean, I suspect once people start tinkering with things, there's going to be some deaths, and I'm not talking about <laughs> crashes. I'm talking about uh, g forces. <laughs> yeah, it's you know this this my Jeep is fast, man. Even at 250 horse, it's it's fast like. And it's not so much that, I mean, it probably does 0 to 60 in, say, six seconds, which Jeep Wrangler is ridiculous, but as a car, that's not particularly fast. But it's just the delivery of the power. I had a friend over the other day, um, and, you know, it, I put him in, you know, drive, he, was, he was in the passenger seat, and we kind of pulled out of the driveway, and I live on a gravel road, and I just, like, hammered it. like, And he just described it as the difference between jumping off of a high dive board or jumping out of an airplane it's just like a different feeling because your brain is 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 ready um i can't remember how you described it but at any rate you're just not prepared 
for the instant right now go right you know when, when you're in a in an ls conversion or something that's going to be fast and maybe faster than mine i don't know but whenever you hit the gas you hear the engine you hear it kick down and then you go with this you just go well you I, know? I mean it's instant and constant torque i mean if you're accelerating the, the the torque is linear it's from from beginning to however fast you're going is that correct yeah yep it sure is so, so that's the big difference you know you take off from something uh, like an internal combustion, you may feel that uh, that G-force, that torque that's moving you along, that's accelerating you. But when you feel it until you let off the pedal, that's got to be freaky. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of the same as if you, uh, you know, if you had like a line lock on your drag car and you were you had your torque converter and you got it spooled up, you know, it's at, ready to lock up and then you just let go of the line lock or you dump the clutch or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, you know, it's going to happen because you can hear the engine, whereas this is... You're just sitting there, and surprise, then now you're thrown into the back of the seat, surprise, and you're not yeah. exactly sure what's going on. <laughs> oh, well, gee whiz. So you got a nice go-kart there. I mean, not go-kart, a golf cart. <laughs> golf cart, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a really expensive, fast go-kart, yes. Yeah, that's a good That's a good question I didn't think of. How much did it cost you to do this? And uh, I mean, just, just to say somebody's got a TJ laying around, and they want to make it uh, turn it into an EV, what, what would it cost them to do this? Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're looking at a minimum of about twelve grand to do the conversion. Well, oh, you, you can't even get a crate for engine G. for twelve. I mean, not a good one. Hmm? You can't even get a crate uh, internal combustion engine for twelve grand. Not a you know not a fun one. So yeah, that's not no, too bad. No, but this this that that is the minimum really minimum of twelve thousand, and then you're looking at maybe a fifty sixty mile range and roughly a hundred horsepower, one hundred fifty horsepower maybe. Uh, okay. um, I'm I I spent way more than that. I'm. I'm up over 50 grand for mine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I'm 500 horsepower, you know, 500 horsepower. So if, if you wanted to do, do a 500 horsepower LS conversion or something, you're looking at a supercharged, fuel-injected engine crate, which is going to be, I don't know, 20 grand. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, hell, I don't know. You never find me yeah, spending 20, that. $20,000, $25,000. I don't know. And then you're going to need a transmission that can hold it. You're going to need a fuel system that can sustain it. You're going to need an exhaust system. You're going to have to package all that somewhere. So certainly wouldn't cost as much to do an equivalent powered engine car but um you know yeah i mean you want to play you got to pay and and i i did this specifically to kind of uh as an exercise of what can i do but also as a show of what can be done if and you want to you don't have to do it this way and you know it doesn't really make sense to do it this way i'm the first to admit it but you know that's so, what's out there. So the kid in the Honda pulls up alongside you and wants to rate race. Do you have a switch in there or a fuse that you can plug in to go from the 250 kVA to the <laughs> the 500? <laughs> well, well, the whole idea of the 250 uh, 250 horsepower right now is I'm just running the 30 35 axles, and they're not going to put up with that, you know. Yeah, I know, but you got to beat him. That is what I'm saying. So you got oh, you got a chance at him the way it is. <laughs> No, no, it would. It would beat him now. Well, it's yeah. good that you don't have the ability to change that on the fly. Because, I mean, some of us aren't as mature as you. Because we, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you're ever in Middle Tennessee, come on over and uh, you can drive it and you'll you'll get what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> you really don't need more than 250. Well, you do, but. Oh, man. You know. <laughs> no, that, that used to be the thing with computers. You, what are you going to do with that much disk space? 10, 10 meg is good way too much space for anybody yeah, give me a yeah, stinking break right. you can never have enough horsepower uh disk space uh or a uh, memory so no <laughs> yeah well the cool thing with evs is right so if i had like 
earlier, we was talking about that hundred horsepower conversion, the twelve thousand dollar one, or I've got what I've got right now with five hundred horsepower and a whole lot more battery uh, to go sixty or fifty five miles an hour takes the same amount of energy. The energy that's needed to go a speed is determined by your rolling resistance and your aerodynamics or lack of aerodynamics uh, and all those factors. So the, the miles per kilowatt hour of a low cost conversion is the same as mine, even though I've got five times as much horsepower, it still takes the same amount of power to go at the same speed. So, um, you know, it's not like if you got a two, two and a half liter versus you know, your 6.3 LS, or I probably got the numbers wrong, but the LS is going to get worse gas mileage just because it, you know, it's just a bigger engine and it just uses more fuel, even if you're going the same trip. Am I wrong on that? No, probably not. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd have to check the math and a calculator is not handy, so we'll just move along. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> so anyway, we've mentioned about your YouTube site and uh, I think you had said, tell me you really don't do the social media. Maybe you're on Facebook. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I am on Facebook. Um, this those are the two things I've never, I've a, never gone into the Twitter or the TikTok or any of those other things. I couldn't even tell you what other ones are. Well, let me help you. It's called TikTok. That's the way you say it. If you're not into social media, you call it the TikTok. And then people know that you're old and you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I do have an Instagram account because someone told me I need to do it. Instagram and, is good. It's like when you were in kindergarten, they you give you a picture of a book with all pictures. So that's kind of what Instagram is. <laughs> yeah. And I managed to, I logged on and I posted some pictures of the Jeep, but I just couldn't figure it out and I couldn't be bothered to figure it out. <laughs> and that was the end of it. I'm busy building EVs here. I don't have time for your social media. <laughs> yeah. I don't actually like technology. As ironic as that sounds, I don't, I just don't like technology. You like technology, but it's some technology that you like more than others because certainly an EV is technology. There's there's EV under there's technology under the surface that I don't know. Like I don't know how the inverter on the Tesla drive unit works. I don't know how that works. But the build was mechanical. You know what I mean? And oh then, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the build itself is just welding and fabricating mounts and stuff like that, and figuring out where stuff's going to go and wire. You know, putting the wires so it looks decent, and then the the high voltage wiring cabling is very simple because it's, it's very, you know, there's not very much of it. The low voltage stuff is a little bit more complicated. It's as complicated as you want it really. Um, but in my situation, it's, it's not that bad, but um, the 12 volt stuff can get kind of overwhelming. But uh, basically it's just, you know, it's no different than any other project that you would have. Right. Well, very interesting. Do you have anything on the horizon? Maybe something that's uh, ultra sleek and has a very low uh, air resistance and something that you can get, you know, 10,000 miles out of for $125,000 build? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I mean, uh, as far as road going conversions, I don't have any, I don't have any plans going. I've got like a little cub cadet sitting on the side of the garage that I need to, I want to, I want to do that, but um, I don't have any EV road going ev plans uh the jeep's kind of taking it out of me yeah very <laughs> no, cool i mean it, it really is nice uh what you've done here and i really like what you had to say you really didn't do the technology side of it you just knew what to buy uh, and you plugged it in and did the uh the welding and the heart the really the hard part the, the getting it on there and working so that's really interesting because you don't have to be a programmer or uh, really know uh, much about anything having to do with the technology, just where to get it and uh, how it works and how to mount it. Yeah, I mean, I've got a little, I've got a display 
um, I got rid of all the factory gauges and I've got a GPS pedometer. And then next to that, I've got sort of a um, seven and a half inch. It looks like a, looks kind of like a small iPad, but it's not. But, and that all gets its information all from CAN, from CAN messages, from mm-hmm. either the inverter or the battery management system. Um, and I was like, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So I had to phone some friends who did know how to do that. And they kind of helped me out to get that thing going. And, you know, and it's, it's scary if you don't, uh, know anything about it can working with can but once you kind of figure it out the hard work has been done by really smart people mm-hmm. um, and then the programming of the um, components that use those messages is actually pretty easy yeah yeah well I mean you, the, we have the 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 internet which is like a brain on steroids and then you got friends that help you figure out what you actually need to type into Google to <laughs> find what you're, <laughs> right. what you're looking for because you don't know how to word it you know that's why yeah. i tell my family you guys suck at uh, searching because you you have to think really simply and get the right words in there but anyway if you yeah. guys are interested in yeah. seeing this uh, a tesla jeep the tj the, the the 500 horsepower tj uh you need to go over to just go to youtube do a search for bill bear just like the aspirin not not the bill part that's what you pay bear is the aspirin part so bill bear and uh, have a look at this, uh, and just look for Tesla Jeep. I mean, the looks like the license plate actually says T S L A T J. So, if you if you see that, you're in the right place. Bill, I want to yeah. thank you a lot for coming on. A really interesting story, and uh, I'm going to go over there and check out some of these videos because I want to see. Um, I, I just have this idea of Jackie Gleason from Smokey and the Bandit pulling over you, pulling you over, and say, "What the hell is this on my highway?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, um, I don't know if. Um, like if you're in a hurry to get this done with, no, go ahead. Okay, because like there's, you know, I've still got some, like I, I, I need some advice. Actually, is what I need some advice because my differentials, my thirty thirty five, are not good. Like, well, I mean they're good, they work fine, but they're just not beefy enough for, for you know, sliding the bar to the right and giving me the five hundred horsepower and beating the guy in the Civic. Um, I need to, I, I need some, I need some axle upgrades. So some axle upgrade advice. Ford 8.8 is the, the very common axle swap for the rear of, mm-hmm. uh, of the TJs. Uh, it is a, about a half inch shorter than the, the 35, the Dana 35. Uh, but if you, if you care about such things, you can put uh, uh, half inch spacers on the, uh, the back and then it winds up being the same width as the, the Dana 35. Um, you you can also get um, disc brake. Uh, I, I think the, I think the Ford 8.8 came came in disc brake as well. So you can actually get disc brakes on the rear. And if you've got 500 horsepower, you really want disc brakes so you can stop. <laughs> yeah, I've got disc brakes now. I did that conversion. Yeah, and uh, for the front, I don't know. I mean, everybody will tell you spend five thousand dollars on a Dana 44. Uh, yada yada yada. Uh, I don't know that I would go that direction on the Dana 30. Uh, is it a high pinion or a low pinion? slow okay it will it probably this is the thing that confuses me because i was asking you about it being a four-wheel drive is the the front axle actually connected to the drivetrain yeah, it's all-wheel drive it's okay all-wheel drive. okay okay so um the it probably doesn't matter since you're not going off-road but a uh, a high pinion would be better so if you were flexing that that drive shaft wouldn't get much of an angle for the u-joints um so but as far as the dana 30 goes there's things you can do the Dana 30, which I don't know if you're familiar with this term or not, or this this phrase. It's called polishing the turd because it's a turd axle, <laughs> and you can yeah. start throwing money at it to make it stronger and better. Uh, I've got chromoly axles. 
Okay. So uh, how about a truss? Uh, have you tr- trussed it up uh, or maybe a sleeved the axle? No, not the front. Yeah. So uh, you could go, I mean, the chrome out molly axles, that's a great idea. Um, and you said you got 307s on there, so you probably got pretty a pretty good pinion uh, tooth contact on the uh, the front pinion. Uh, that's another weak point. Uh, oh, uh, what kind of uh, a differential cover do you have on there? Is it a nice uh, solid one, or is it just the factory one? It's a stamp steel one. Yeah, so you can actually keep the 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 pumpkin from deforming by putting a nice strong, uh, you know, like quarter inch uh, metal uh, um, uh, diff cover on there. So the truss, the uh, the sleeving of the axles, uh, the chrome mollies that you've already got. Uh, gives you a pretty a pretty nice strong front axle, but if you don't mind spending uh, you know five grand, you can go get a steerable Dana forty four and put on the front. Yeah, I had to uh, I had to modify both of the carriers, both differential carriers. Um, like I had to do quite a bit of machining because there just wasn't enough room for that giant three hundred seven pinion. Oh, interesting. I had to do a lot of machining on one side of the uh, on one side of the carrier and put a whole bunch of spacers on the other side. Um, so, you know, that's not good. I don't know if the, I don't know if they're different somehow. The 456 gear differentials are different than the factory 307 diffs. I don't know, but I had to, it wasn't just a simple swap. Yeah. I, I watched the guy set up my 456 gears on the XJ and I just didn't like that whole uh, shimming uh, thing. Uh, I like the, the, I have a, a Chrysler eight and a quarter on the, the rear of the XJ, which is a, a really good axle. And, and you could put that on the, the TJ as well. It's just, it's just not set up for coils, but you do fabricating. Yeah. So actually you could probably find a, a, a really nice a Chrysler eight and a quarter at a junkyard for a hundred bucks. And you can put, yeah. you can put uh, 35s on a, on one of those. No problem. Locked. No problem. Uh, Ford, yeah. Ford 8.8 is the really common thing that people put on TJs, and especially the Dana 35, because, I mean, we, we joke about it all the time. Somebody says they have a Dana 35. I said, my God, don't take that anywhere in, in public, because if it explodes, it'll take out a full city block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my other issue, like, the, the other problem I have is, like, um, so fact, uh, off mm, aftermarket axles that you can buy the kits or whatever, they, the, the um, differential ratios they don't go low or they don't go high you know everybody's off-roading so they want to be low gearing i need really tall gearing so um, i was kind of looking at nine inch because you can get like 3.0s 3.0 to one um you know so i was kind of looking at those two and, and this has then the gearing you're trying to go for it has to do with uh the 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 electric motor yeah it's the final gearing it's the final gearing that is what you know obviously it's what matters and uh so the the drive unit has from the factory, it had 9.73 or something like that, 9.7 to 1 final drive, and that was directly to the tires. But if you take 9.7 and then multiply that through a differential, you end up with a, you know, a tractor-like final drive. So wow. um, I've got 4.5 to 1 gears. I took the 9.7s out and put 4.5 to 1 gears in the different in the drive unit. And then you take that and you multiply it by 3.07, you end up with like you know close to 15 to 1 final drive. Um, which doesn't sound like a lot, or it's not, you know, it doesn't, it, that, that's not a number that makes sense to a, you know, a four wheeler off road community. Cause you're like, well, 111 to one, you know, for my, for my <laughs> low ratio right. transfer case, but I can spend 16,000 RPM. So, um, so I need 
if, if you know, but I don't want to spend 16,000 RPM at 70 miles an hour. At the moment, I'm spending about 6,000 or 9,000 RPM at 60 miles an hour. Um, so I need to have tall gears so I don't, so I can stay in sort of this efficiency sweet spot of the motor, sure, if you sure. will. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so they don't make anything uh, that I'll, I'll like um, I'm, this coming to my, my brain is like a an overdrive on a transmission, something that you could. Uh, uh, that it would drop the ratio, or, or yeah, that it would it would make it a not a one to one, but a uh, like a point five to one or something, something that you could uh, actually you know half you put put this thing and engage this thing, and now you you're getting uh, a half a turn for every one turn. Does that make sense at all? It does make sense, and uh, you know you got to kind of keep in mind that we're in their super early days of doing these EV conversions, especially high performance ones. Like before Tesla came along, there wasn't high performance motor really people were using you know dc motors were basically just big starter motors and that's how they were running you know low numbers and quarter miles on their little drag race cars but um they weren't good for driving on the street so we're in really early days and maybe you know 10 years from now you'll be able to call up summit and get a you know an, an underdrive kit for your tesla conversion but at the moment no okay can't do well that. i wasn't yeah. sure I, I figured that yeah. might be something that either you hadn't thought of or or, or tried for something like that uh, yeah, no, I, what I've got now with the four and a half to one gears, that's the best we can do. The Model 3 drive unit, you can actually get a, a 2.54 or 3.54 to one. So it's it's even, it's, you know, higher, numerically higher still or lower still. But anyway, yeah. So but, I'm, I'm really yeah, surprised. So, I'm really surprised that the, the 307 is a, uh, give you a problem for the, the, the Dana 30. Oh, um, it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, you're on my, youtube page or something like towards the bottom of it i kind of i kind of go into you know pretty good it's one of the first jeep videos that i put out was was about my troubles with the dang gears on that thing but yeah i had to put like a lot of shims on one side and oh you know, you, you know what i'm machine shop to machine the other side you know what i'm remembering uh i had to get a different carrier when i went from uh the the stock uh gears uh the stop stock diff, diff gears on the xj to the 456s, the carrier had to be changed. I needed a mm. um, uh, a different carrier for the ring, and uh, um, I'm trying to remember where the breakover is, but it was like, because I can't remember. I think I had the three, oh, man, uh, too much time has gone by. It seems like it was a 3.7 or something like that, 3.46 or something, 3.76, and then I went to 456, and the, the, I had to get a $50 carrier to put in there because it was a different size. And that's I'm, probably what I needed to have done was just to get a $50 carrier that's made for 307. They're just machined differently. And I, and I bet you had the one for the, the higher gear or yep. the, low, the higher numerical gears, the lower lower uh, ratio gears. It's <laughs> so you, confusing, isn't yeah, it? I know. Yeah, and, and you yeah needed, for sure. And you needed the differential like that came in their stock, the one that yep. was for the like the, the 376 gears or whatever it was. I bet you that's yep. what – I bet you that's why you had that issue. Yeah. And the other thing too, so – Whenever I, you know, the 8.8 sounds like that's probably what I'm going to go with. Uh, but the front differential, I'd like to have like a torsen, you know, or a, you know, like a limited slip, not with clutches or cones or any of that stuff. And certainly not one with ratcheting, mm -hmm. but basically a torsen diff is what I'd like to go with. Do, uh, can you get a torsen diff for Dana 30s with 307s? I have no idea. I've, yeah. I just recently found out about the, the torsen as far as the, if I'm remembering correctly, that's in the, uh, the military Hummers. Uh, mm -hmm. So that you can, I think you you brought you 
touch the brakes or something and it causes it to engage or something along those lines. It sounded yeah, like a really cool idea. But they're really pretty cool. They're yeah. Very cool. Yeah, my center differential in the Tesla drive unit, I got one in there. Very cool. Well, Bill, we're going to have to wrap this up, but we're here okay. uh, on the on the show. We take questions all the time, and uh, man, that'd be really cool. We could put uh, EV on our show resume. We're giving EV advice <laughs> to people. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm always willing to talk about this stuff. We just scratch the surface. It is very, very interesting, and I know our listeners are going to love it. Just, it seems like anytime we talk about electric vehicles, people either get all hyped up and they want to say this, that, and the other, or they have great ideas. So this it's is hugely polarizing. Yeah, it's alarmingly polarizing it's a lot of fun to talk about it it's it's yeah. the future i mean plain and simple this is the future uh, i just don't think oh. we're going to be there until we could get the and correct me again is it the energy density yes energy yep energy density until we get the right energy density then it's going to be amazing bill thanks yeah. so much for being with us tonight and very interesting subject well tony thank you so much for having me on this has been a good time uh maybe we can do it again sometime well, I want to thank Bill Bear for uh, being a guest on the show. And, man, it's just damned interesting how he uh, took uh, the, the goodies from a Tesla and put in that Wrangler. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing, and I, and I remember uh, him saying that he's got about 2.5 gallons of gas, the equivalent in, in battery power, I guess, uh, the equivalent to uh, how much gas. I, I'm just so looking forward to something that has a much higher power density because, this would be a wonderful way to resurrect old Jeeps. And, I mean, even the really old ones. Could you imagine that, that Chris, with having a, uh, a Jeep from, like, a 1944? Although, I, I kind of hate cutting up one of those old, old Jeeps. But, say you had one from 1944, and it had an electric power plant, and you never had to, to refuel it. You never had to charge it. It had some sort of uh, Mr. Fusion device or something. You just throw some banana peels in there and drive for thousands of miles. That, w- that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, technology's great, and uh, it doesn't mean you have to get rid of the old stuff. It, it can just improve it. It's kind of a lot like our our homes these days with uh, the smart home type thing. I remember when the smart home stuff first came out. It was so expensive and so complex. And uh, now it's just really, really simple. Going back to that, uh, don't turn off the breaker when you're wiring something, because I always wire in the uh, uh, the Echo devices uh, without uh, <laughs> without turning it off. I just gotta use uh, uh, pliers that are uh, insulated, and remember, right. don't grab it up too high on the pl- on the pliers on the metal part. Oh, and it's it's AC, isn't it? So it'll 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 warn you. It'll give you a poke before it <laughs> before it hurts. <laughs> It's it's not something you should do, folks. Don't do no. that at home. Don't don't be like me. <laughs> but do be like me. Be here next week for uh, our another uh, our next great interview, which is Patrick Foster. You remember Pat Patrick Foster? I old, do, I old. do. I've read. Uh, uh, he's got some great books. A great author. But the story of Jeep is one of the books on my bookshelf. It's a great. A great book, a great story. It tells the whole story of Jeep from day one through uh, the Chrysler, uh, through the Chrysler acquisition, and really, really great book. Really good um, information. A lot of um, uh, statistics as far as production stats and, and numbers and, and images and photos. So, uh, yeah, Patrick, I, I again, I've read that one book of his. He's written about other vehicles other than Jeep. Uh, I believe he was uh, Tony. I believe he was an AMC dealer or or a, a regional salesperson in a, in a previous career. So a really, really great author and a, a good interview with a lot of interesting Jeep, 
Jeep uh, Jeep history. Mm-hmm. And and you know it's going to be a, a great interview and a great book because it's uh, old, spelled with an E, Milford Press. <laughs> yes. O- oldie. I call it oldie. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> pronounce it phonetically. <laughs> or you either have to do that or say old with a British accent. Yes. <laughs> so that's going to be uh, our, our next interview, episode 653, next Thursday. Until then, have a great Jeep week. Podcasting since 2010.